Hi, I'm Tony. I'm Patrick. Welcome again to Cave to the Cross Apologetics. We are working our way through uh, the book Truth in a Culture of Doubt. And um, the subtitle is Engaging Skeptical Challenges to the Bible. And, of course, one of the most famous uh, skeptics is Bart Erdman. And so uh, they're dealing with some of his issues and some of his questions with regard to the scriptures. Right. Right. And now we've worked our way to chapter two and we finished the introduction to chapter two. Now we want to get into the various issues, the claims, right, that Erdman makes with regard to the scriptures. Chapter two is entitled, Is the Bible Full of Irresolvable uh, contradictions, right. right? And so there's these various claims that they want to examine. There are five of them that they take a look at that uh, are made. This, the, the, So the first claim is um, the idea that the New Testament authors have contradictory points of view on major issues, right? That is the the first claim that they want us to take a look at, right? right. In other words, uh, you know, here's a major issue, and the New Testament authors contradict one another with regard to what they think about uh, and say about the, this particular issue. Mm-hmm. Right? And so they'll look at a couple of issues just as, uh, you know, just as um, examples so they can see that, so we can see that, no, this isn't necessarily the case. Right. Right. <clears throat> right. T- taking some of his, um, his uh, predominant claims they, they uh, are addressing here. Right. So does the, does the Bible uh, contradict itself? Does it? Yeah. So Bart Ehrman <laughs> explains his approach to understanding the various perspectives of the found in the New Testament. So he says, uh, the historical critical method maintains that we are in danger of misreading a book if we fail to let its author speak for himself, if we force his message to be exactly the same as another author's message. These books were written in different times and places under different circumstances to address different issues. They were written by different authors with different perspectives, beliefs, assumptions, traditions, and sources. And sometimes they present different points of view on major issues. I'm sorry, was was I reading a, a, a believers here? Yeah, really. I mean, uh, you know, wh- you know, one wonders if Erdman re- uh, realizes that many conservative scholars have uh, long been saying the begging, same thing. Begging people <laughs> yeah. to, to understand this. Yeah, yeah. right. Uh, you know, uh, without viewing it as a threat, by the way, to how, <laughs> right. you know, the unity of the New Testament, right. right? I mean, clearly we want each one to speak for themselves, right? right? That's why we have different accounts, right? So an Erd- Erdman, in many ways, sounds remarkably similar yeah. to um, to conservative evangelical yeah. scholars. Page like, sixty four of Jesus Interrupted, <laughs> yeah, where he says this. So. Yeah. So um, you know, for instance, Craig Bloomberg he writes something similar. He says, uh, "In the midst of Scripture's unity, we must not lose sight of its diversity." This takes several forms. The books of the Bible are written by different authors in different times and places to different audiences in distinct circumstances using various literary genres. Each book thus displays unique purposes and themes. Hey. Wow. So they, you know. <laughs> right. I mean, saying the same thing. And, yeah. and exactly. It's exactly true. It's, it's what we see in in history itself both present and and past i mean past past like you know really past <laughs> but, you know if, if if you're talking about a, a battle of of uh you know world war ii pegasus bridge you're going to look at it from uh an overview of command who's not there but has laid the plans for uh um holding off german invasion of this bridge and then the person on the ground you want those perspectives yeah, because yeah. you're going to get a better idea and understanding of exactly what was in the mind what was the understanding? Yes, those were the orders, but were the orders carried out and such? So, um, all, and and 
different people. You know, you have, you have probably someone that went to college. You have someone who's been drafted, you know, uh, out of small town Texas. So, so <laughs> who, who knows? And and so you you want these different nothing wrong with Texas, by the way, right? Don't mess with it. That's what I understand. <laughs> <laughs> so here, uh, both Ehrman and Bloomberg appear to be saying the similar things. Exactly. Yet their tones and ultimate conclusions are in stark contrast. Yeah. So that is amazing. So they're saying the same things about the scripture, and there's you know they want they suggest that we should approach it in the same way, but their conclusions are vastly different. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the difference between Ehrman and Bloomberg seems bound up more in there presuppositions, ooh, right. that, that yeah. nasty word, <laughs> that they bring into the interpretive process rather than in the refusal on the part of either scholar to recognize diversity. They both recognize diversity. One just kind of wants to throw it out rather right. than... Right. Or at the, least criticize they, it as something that's wrong. Right, yeah, right. Um, that's that's a good point. Yeah, uh, They recognize uh, the, the, the unity of the New Testament uh, does not in any way preclude the realization that the biblical authors were real people writing with particular points of view and aspects of the story they wanted to emphasize. Right. You know, uh, Matthew's kind of considered uh, a, a gospel to the, the Jewish people and so emphasizes Jewish themes within the context of, of the life of Jesus. And then you have um, John who's writing from um, kind of a, a, a distant away from, uh, you know, immediate persecution, uh, can write fuller, can write... Uh, with with more specific names and write for a general audience for both Greek and 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 Jewish alike, mm. and uh, you know um, uh, Mark writing quickly as he does immediately. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's, that's, that's right. That, that's yeah. the immediately the, the, Jesus the yeah. Gospel of Mark. Yeah, and immediately he did this. So, <laughs> so at different different writing at different times, different perspectives. Uh, in in different ways, you know, um, Mark is probably writing from a perspective of of Peter, and so um, you have Levi, who's Matthew, writing from his own perspective. John writing from a fuller perspective, and Luke writing from a testimony perspective, right? Interviewing people, people who are there, talking to Mary, and and figuring out, hey, uh, we've only heard this from one other gospel before. What was the birth of Jesus like? Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. That might be that might be important to, for <laughs> yeah. people to understand. Yeah, so, you know, clearly recognizing the unity of the New Testament doesn't preclude that, you know, each one wrote from their own perspective, right? So what our authors do is they give us several test cases, right? right? And uh, they say that the following test cases demonstrate that the alleged theological contradictions offered by Erdman regularly turn out to be different, right, but not contradictory in nature. Right. So, yes, different perspectives, different, account, different accounts, but that doesn't mean that they contradict right? Right. A, a different view. You know, um, they are, someone's looking from this side, someone else looking from this. Side, right. right? And, and again, we're not writing from a perspective of 21st century America. We have access to, <laughs> to computers and Xerox machines right. and unlimited paper. And, uh, oh, my pen ran out of ink. I, I don't need to go 300 miles to get a new one. I throw it out and get another one that I bought for a buck yeah, for, for yeah. one of those fancy ones. <laughs> and so, so you're, you're the, where the, the, the disciples are writing from is an important um, um, point here. Too. Yeah. Yeah. The historical, right. uh, uh, you know, uh, perspective and that sort of thing. So they have, so they give us several cases here and they're going to try to show that, you know, uh, you know, the difference here, because there are some differences mm -hmm. don't mean that they're, they contradict one another, right? Right. So let's take a look at the first case. 
first right. case. So case, uh, test case number one. Here it is. Mark and Luke have different depictions of the crucifixion. Right. Right? Well, this is central to Christianity, right? right? And so if Mark and Luke have different depictions of the Christianity, we may be in trouble, right? right. And so Mark and Luke have different depictions of the, Christi- uh, of the, of the um, crucifixion. So in Mark... They tell us Jesus dies in despair and is unsure of what's going on. Right, yeah. While in Luke, Jesus is uh, in complete control. Right. Right. Clearly different, uh, you know, kind of uh, depictions of what's right. going on. Right. And if you've seen uh, debates with Bart Ehrman kind of on the subject, this is one of the, the test cases he uses. Mm-hmm. One that he brings in a little bit later that I think uh, that they address is um, uh, the, the, the view of Pilate and how mm-hmm. how. As, as you get further down the, the road, you have Pilate uh, looked at as a bad guy to, oh, no, we're, we're, we're kind of getting out there. We don't want to be persecuted. So Pilate's not, not that bad no, of a guy. No, yeah. he's, he's okay. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> so now clearly many scholars acknowledge that Mark and Luke offer different perspectives right. on Jesus' life. And as Erdman has pointed out, also his death. But the central question here appears to be whether it is illegitimate for two authors to highlight highlight different aspects of Jesus' death and whether these different aspects are incompatible. Right. right? So they, they look at it from different perspectives. They highlight different aspects. Are these two ways, you know, are these two uh, perspectives incompatible? Do they contradict right. one another? Yeah. Right? And as a historian, do you want one perspective that, or multiple perspectives that are entirely 100% the same, or do you want a diversity of points of view, vantage points? So there, there's a, a okay movie called Vantage Points where it takes uh, oh, kind of different that. people yeah, yeah. And, and, and builds yeah. the, 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 the kind of the overarching case of what you're supposed to figure it's out like for this. It's like a half assa- a dozen people or yes, so that uh, they For this assassination yeah, attempt, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so do you, do you want more detail to build in the events? Okay, who was there? Well, this person says, you know, the, the, the women here, it says the, the priests were there and um, you have the, 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 the cry of the blood shall be on our hands and you have the Romans doing their thing. And uh, at what hour did this happen? And Oh, hold on. What hour are we talking about? And so, yeah. What happened? Are we talking about? Right. Right. right yeah. yeah. <laughs> when is the win? When? Yeah. <laughs> so first the gospel writers never claim to give an exhaustive account of all these things. This, this is the only things that happen. I'm giving you the full account. Yeah, this is everything, right. right? This is the whole deal. And right? so, so when you talk about contradictions, this can't be a contradiction because it's not an a and not a type of situation. <laughs> uh, so they don't, uh, uh, they're not claiming to give an exhaustive account of the things that happened on the cross. Each evangelist was free to pick and choose from the various details for that day, yeah. just as we do, just as depending on who we talk about or for what purposes. Uh, we're, what we're, impresses we, us the most, yeah. right? What we want to emphasize. Right. Yeah. What? Uh, yeah. 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 Break up the monotony of saying the same thing over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> Second, while it's true that Luke emphasizes Jesus's control of the situation more than Mark does, Ehrman plays up the difference for more than it's worth. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Ehrman claims that uh, that Jesus and Mark dies in so much agony and despair that he is unsure of the reason of his, his death. Mm. And so, you know, the, the cry of my God, my God, why have you forsaken me is in contrast to where um, Jesus uh, on the cross says, Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. Yeah. So, oh, man, that seems like two vastly kind of different yeah, things. One, he's in despair and he's out of control. The other, hey, I, into your hands, I comm- I'm in total control of this situation. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, uh, you know, so earlier, obviously, in Mark, Jesus, and here's kind of how we kind of 
re, um, give a rebuttal to this type of thing, right? right? Earlier in March, Jesus, uh, G, uh, Jesus, earlier in Mark, <laughs> Jesus had told his disciples exactly why he must die. Right. Yeah. Right? So he knew exactly why he must die. Right. He says, uh, "For even the Son of Man did not come and come to be served." Um, uh, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many, many Mark uh, 10 45. Right. So look, he says, look, I've come into the world for this purpose. He is in control. We might say of what's going on. He right. says, look, I am carrying out a, I'm carrying out a, pers- uh, pers- uh, you know, a, a specific purpose. Right. Well, if you're carrying out a purpose, that means that you're in control of what's going on. Right. Right. So even while facing the agony of what uh, he was about to suffer, Jesus, according to Mark, stated in the Garden of Gethsemane, get up, let's go. Uh, See, my betrayer is near. Right Now notice, this does not sound like a man who has lost control of the situation. He says, okay, this is the next thing that has to happen. Get up, let's do this. Right? Sounds like he's in control of me, right? Right. So while Luke does highlight Jesus's confidence in face, you know, in the face of suffering, this element isn't uh, absent in Mark. Right. Right. Mark still uh, talks about this controlling aspect. Mm-hmm. And furthermore, the deep anguish of Jesus, which Ehrman points out is prevalent in Mark, is also evident in Luke as well. Oh. For instance, uh, Luke uh, twenty-two and forty-two, Jesus asked the Father to remove the cup of his death. So, you know, this, uh, let the cup pass before my lips. He's, he's crying, he's sweating out blood. I mean, this is a person in anguish. This is, uh, you know, not someone who's taken a, a weekend trip to, to <laughs> hell or heaven yeah. or paradise for a bit. This is someone who is realizing that the entire weight of, of the chosen people for the sins of the world are going to be placed on him yeah. and it's, it's weighing on him. Yeah. If, 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 so if that's, this person, yeah. so he's in despair there. He's in, we might say out of control because he's appealing to the father to take this right. cup. Right now, clearly he wasn't, but you know, so, so, you know, Luke has this aspect of despair as right. well. And right? so, and so where, where Ehrman turns the, the kind of the key in this is he says the crucifixion. But if we go to the garden, we could flip his his presentation around oh. and make the complete opposite claim. Exactly. Jesus say, was out of control or in despair and out of control. Look at how he, uh, you know, <laughs> reacted in the garden. Right. According in, to in Luke. Luke right? yeah. 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 But Mark, oh, he's, hey, let, let's get up and go. We're, we're going to do this. He's totally in control. Yeah. So which is it? Yeah. Right. Is he in control? Is he out of control? Right. right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is more, two verses later, Luke describes Jesus as being in anguish with his sweat appearing like drops of blood falling to the ground, 2244. In so, Luke, right? Yeah. yeah. So to make sure Mark and Luke offer different perspectives on some of the particulars of Jesus' death, as they write, yet this does not mean their perspectives are irreconcilable con- in conflict. And so the, this whole point of, of uh, you know, why does Jesus, when, when he's on the cross, say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's, it's a callback. It, it, it would be like me saying, uh, Amazing Grace. You're like, oh, I, I know a song by that. Yeah. And so that, that was the, the Jewish perspective. He's, who is he talking to? He's ta- talking to the crowd. He's, he's lamenting uh, uh, Psalm 22, this, this, or 23, uh, this, this, this I cry. It's, 20, yeah, it's this, not 23. It's, it's a 22. It, it's yeah. uh, this cry out by the Messiah that my, my, I, I become undone. My, my, my 
bones are out of joint. Uh, I've, I've, I'm, uh, my, my garments are being um, um, cast, uh, cast dive of and taken from me. It's, it's, it's a, a callback to a historic psalm that everyone would have known who had that perspective. Right. And this is the opening line. Yeah. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Oh, I, th- he's quoting a song. Yeah. Jesus here is quoting a song. And, and Jesus is, is saying, actually, that this is happening. Right. right. The, the Father is forsaking him because he is bearing the weight of our sin. Right. right? Yeah. So uh, what about te- test case number two? Yeah. So test case number two that says this. The Gospels of Mark and Luke mention Jesus's virgin birth while the Gospels I'm sorry, the Gospels of right. Matthew, Matthew and, and Luke. Luke. Yeah. Right, yeah. So the Gospels of Matthew and Luke mention Jesus' virgin birth, yeah. right? While the, while the Gospels of Mark and John seem to be unaware that Jesus was born of a virgin, right? They, right? they never talk about it. They never mention it. But Matthew and Mark do mention this particular. So clearly, yeah. there's something wrong here. Right, and right? not just the birth, but both give accountings of the genealogies and and how Jewish genealogies occur are different than how we would. And so, oh, there are differences within the, the genealogical records. Which one is it? <laughs> well, okay, uh, you know, if, if Luke is writing at a later time than Matthew had access to Matthew, which all these secular scholars agree to, is he just going by and, and he makes a mistake and like, ah, I'll fix it yeah, later. Yeah, yeah, or I don't care what Matthew yeah. says, I'm going to make up something. Right, right. Right. <laughs> or is there a realization that, that Jewish genealogies is different uh, in in how it's presented, and especially in in, in Matthew, there's there's uh, this this uh, trifold of of uh, equal number of names to kind of have a repetitive way of of remembering them, mm. Um, mm. and and so you know different explanations within the confines, not just of the birth, but of the presentation of the birth, and yeah. drawing back to, to the line of David from right. from both the. The, um, the matriarchal point of view from Mary and also from Joseph, the, the legal uh, person that that um, he takes uh, uh, custody of Jesus and so can draw. Uh, OK, you, you say the, the mother's uh, genealogy is not enough. Here's the father's version. Right. We so can we have trace two different back. perspectives there. Right. Yeah. yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Right. right. And so uh, Matthew and Luke mention a virgin birth, right? Mm-hmm. Mark and John don't. They seem to be unaware is the claim, right? Completely oblivious. Yeah. So Matthew and Luke are, are the only two gospels that explicitly affirm Jesus' virgin birth. But notice, it's, it's hardly the case that the other two uh, gospels deny it, right? Or even are unaware of it, right? right? They're not saying Jesus wasn't. John doesn't say Jesus wasn't born of a virgin, and right. neither does Mark, or, right? So they're by not the normal denied. everyday means yeah. that everyone else is born, Jesus was also born. <laughs> Mark and John simply choose um, not to include the virgin birth in their accounts, right? right? And so as Erdman well knows, any historical account is by nature selective, Right? People don't say everything, they select things. And, and the Gospels should not be regarded with skepticism simply because none of them includes every single detail that could have been mentioned. Right. Right? Uh, especially when you have this understanding of the Q, the supposed Q document and Mark being there and everyone copying off Mark. Yeah, I, it, it, it's almost uh, uh, unavoidable to, or it's it would be incorrect to say that uh, Mark wasn't uh, available to the other gospel writers, and they selectively, word for word, took took choices of of his wording and put it in their gospel. 
that's not what's being said. But if you had every single point of view in there, you would just say, oh, this person who claims to be Matthew is writing, and they just took every portion of, of Mark, so it would sound uh, pr- pretty much uh, the same well, to, be to a photocopy. anybody. Yeah. It would be a photocopy. And he's right? just adding details, but we don't know if the details are real. <laughs> yeah. But this is someone who is utilizing, uh, oh, what did Peter say in this? And and and, and uh, bringing about a fuller understanding for the text, for for Matthew's writing and purposes, for Luke's writing and purposes, and uh, for John's as well. Can't forget about lowly old John out yeah, there. that's right. Not a part of those synoptic uh, problems, but uh, um, so it's, it's not... Uh, it, it's 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 something that you as a historian you want and you expect and you get from other ones outside the Bible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It is an illegitimate argument from silence to contend that just because Mark doesn't mention it, he was unaware of the virgin birth. That is important, right? right. So just because he doesn't mention it, does that mean that he he's contradicting the other uh, the other accounts? Right. Does he disagree with the other accounts? Right. Is he unaware of the virgin birth just because he doesn't mention yeah. it? Of well, course not, right. right? That doesn't mean that. Oh, but right? this is a miracle, and, and, and th- this is important. Well, John says the same thing. He, he writes at the end, other works and sayings Jesus did, but they haven't been written about. These have been written about so that you may know. It's like, okay, well, all those other miracles happen. Those are important too, right? Well, he just made selective editing exactly. choices for a purpose, for, yeah. for, for what he he believed and, and uh, we would say what the Holy Spirit inspired to uh, allow for uh, a, a full understanding from reading the words uh, as, as a means by which God uses to save people. If taken to an extreme, this would mean Mark did not know about a lot of other events he chose not to include. Mark is the shortest of the Gospels, and he doesn't include a lot that the other Gospels don't. Does that mean he's completely unaware and that they for sure didn't happen because Mark's the shortest? Yeah, or he didn't know that they happened, or or, yeah, or he's saying that they didn't happen? Right. Right. Again, Mark is short for a reason. Uh, You know, the the time of his writing, who he's writing uh, 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 kind of in the lap of, uh, you know, all, all these things. Um, uh, might preclude or, or at least explain uh, the, the, the brevity of which he writes. And it doesn't seem like that's being um, taken into consideration here. Mm-hmm. In the end, one would have to argue that Mark knew nothing about Jesus' story except what he wrote about in the gospel, <laughs> which would be unfair. Yeah. And it would be unfair if, if, if you did that as well. This is not only illogical, it's patently absurd. It is also contrary to the universally accepted understanding that all the biblical gospels are by necessity selective, That's just right. as like every other book out there from antiquity to today. Yeah, good. So Mark selected the things that he wanted to talk about and that was important to him and he wanted to emphasize and that sort of thing. On the other hand, John did the same thing, right? Uh, John, for his part, opens his gospels with an even greater scene. Than the virgin birth, right? right? Namely, Jesus' pre-existent glory (laughs) with God the Father in the beginning. This is a really good point. Right? And so that, you know, that's greater, a whole lot greater than a virgin birth. No one else had this understanding. (laughs) You know, but some have detected uh, indirect references to the virgin birth in John's Gospels, right? right? For instance, uh, uh, in the context of the... This interchange night that he has uh, with Jewish opponents, right? The Jewish uh, folks say something like this. This is in John eight forty one. We were born of sex. We weren't born of sexual immorality. We have one Father, God, right? So it's possible here 
that the accusation that while the Jews weren't born of sexual immorality, Jesus was, right? right? Which was the rumor that spread surrounding his virgin birth that we see in uh, Matthew 1, 18 through 25. Right, yeah. So uh, like uh, Lydia McGrew would would kind of talk about this as one of those uh, uh, hidden in plain view um, uh, um, verses that tend to, um, suggests, well, why is that there? Why, why is John writing about that? That seems kind of bizarre from the perspective of the conversation. Well, unless if you go to uh, Matthew or yeah. Luke and go, oh, there's the virgin birth. Oh, okay. I, I, w- I wonder if that's one of the reasons why they're talking about uh, we were born of sexual immorality. Like <laughs> like this person, you know, tr- trying to find some sin within Jesus' life to to, to creak it. So yeah, it so 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 this might be an indirect reference in John about Jesus's virgin birth, right. kind of criticizing him because they weren't born of immorality. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the third test case uh, in Matthew, Jesus refuses to perform a miracle to prove his deity. By contrast, in John. The spectacular deeds of Jesus are not called miracles, but signs to prove and convince people of his true identity. Se- yeah. Kind of seven main ones uh, uh, with a few other ones, a little sprinkled in there. But uh, seven main, main ones, seven I am statements, uh, uh, seven, even though written for a uh, uh, kind of a, uh, a complete audience for um, Jew and, and Greek and those barbarians in the wilderness, um, uh, the heptads uh, uh, coming to fruition, uh, continuing on from the Old Testament, uh, seven being uh, uh, an important number in kind of uh, Jewish uh, uh, writings. Mm-hmm. Number of completion, right? Is yeah, what they say. Yeah, yeah, forty-seven. That t- tends to be uh, uh, two big ones uh, when when we're referring to uh, uh, numbers in the in the Bible that relate to God. Uh, a closer look at the Gospels reveal they contain both positive and negative remarks concerning Jesus' miracles. For instance, while Jesus' signs are said to display his glory to his disciples in uh, John 2.11, Jesus' initial reply to call for help in John 4.48 denounces people's dependence on signs and wonders. Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Right, right. Mm. So, you know, so Jesus didn't just in Matthew refused to uh, do signs at the request of people, <laughs> right. right? He also criticized people for asking for signs in John, mm-hmm. right? So we have this in both in both cases. Uh, moreover, in John, Jesus implies that while any kind of faith is better than unbelief, faith that must rely on miracles is inferior to faith on the basis of reliable testimony, mm. right? So in his post-resurrection conversations with Tom, uh, Thomas, for instance, uh, he makes clear that it's more commendable for faith to be based on reliable testimony than on observing his particular uh, right. uh, his sign. Right. Right. Uh, Th- Thomas had the the disciples. He had the women. He could have gone to to the, to the, the burial spot. Right. Yeah. It, it, right. It, <laughs> he could uh, have realized that hey, this is what he was talking about. Yeah. He could have done all these things, but no. He he goes to the extreme. Unless if I can stick my fingers in his hands, in his feet, and in his side, right. then only then. Not if Jesus were appear to me or if only only if I see him too then then I'll believe no no 
to stick my fingers in his side. Yeah, That's the extreme yeah. uh, uh, sign that, that Thomas was asking for. And Jesus shows up and says, all right, here, go here you go. Yeah. And then he falls down, my, my Lord and my God. And again, this isn't some blasphemous statement from Thomas. This, this is a declaration that he understood that Jesus is God. Yeah. So this, this, this uh, you know, Jesus is not uh, accepting worship or, or not claiming to be God. Here he's accepting worship and the title of God without rebuking Thomas. Yeah. When he's rebuking Thomas. Yeah. So. And the greater blessing here is, is, is believing without having the signs. <laughs> right. Right? Right. Yeah. right. I mean, that's, that's the greater blessing. That's mm-hmm. What's being uh, commended here in right. this particular passage, and that's right? what's going to be the normal process for people. We're going to read the scripture. The Holy Spirit is going to uh, come and indwell us and change our our hearts from hearts of stone into hearts of flesh, uh, and we're going to be g- given an understanding and the ability to say no to sin and uh, be able to understand uh, um, uh, to conform ourselves to to the image of Christ even yeah, more. Yeah, of course, the, the sign in this in our situation is the scriptures, right? Right, right. that's the greatest right. sign, right? That is now, of course, uh, in their time, it would have been the resurrection, right? That sort of thing. Right. So, so but the, go go and talk to the people, yeah. talk to the five hundred, talk to the twelve. All these people, not all of them are still asleep. Go and talk to them. Uh, Luke's account of of giving an account by eyewitnesses. This is kind of the start of of moving away from the, the the radical signs that Jesus did in order to to, to to kind of culminate his incarnation and his appearance on earth, but then ultimately on the cross and then the resurrection as the completion of the work that was started on the cross and then um, uh, that continues on even to this day. Yeah, yeah. So at the same time, while Jesus twice in Matthew... Matthew 12 and Matthew 16, refuses to perform a miracle on demand. Right. Uh, he does dance, indica- monkey, dance. That's right. <laughs> he does indicate <laughs> that miracles in some way function to elicit a positive uh, response when denouncing uh, cities, right? He says, where most of these miracles were done, where, where most of these miracles were done, uh, because they did not repent, right? And so... Um, he denounces the idea that they didn't respond in the correct way to miracles. Right. right? Yeah. yeah. So you, you claim to want a sign. I've performed many signs. Right. And you're saying, no, no, uh, this is of the devil. And so that's when the whole uh, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit comes into play. And that's when he denounces, like, listen, if I would have done these for those simpletons over by the sea there, yeah. they would be clamoring for yeah. salvation. But right. no, no, no. You, you call it, you, you know, the, the, the first Corinthians, uh, you know, the, 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 the Jews demand a sign, the, the, the Greek uh, demands Muslim, understanding. Yeah. <laughs> so the foolishness of the cross is, <laughs> is profitable to us. Yeah. Us stupid yeah. people. <laughs> So for Ehrman to try to pit John's testimony regarding miracles against the testimony of other canonical gospels rather than reveal actual contradictions illustrates his insensitivity to finer theological nuances in the theology of the New Testament. Mm. We're not saying that he doesn't understand them, but he doesn't seem to highlight them, at least in his book, to the lay audience he's trying to explain. It it almost seems disingenuous if, if he doesn't understand, and there's no reason to think that he he doesn't understand that there there are answers to this because he's well read i mean he's 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 studied uh you know with the best and uh, his his uh his story of of being an evangelical believer to a agnostic with uh, atheist leanings, I yeah, think he claims. I, I think is what is, um, yeah, that's what they suggest here I, in the book, right? Yeah, I yeah. mean, he, he's not someone who's coming from an outside perspective from the East and is saying, I don't understand, you right. know, this, uh, uh, and, you know, uh, 
uh, writing a, a Neon Genius <laughs> Evangelion anime that incorporates <laughs> like Eastern mysticism with with uh, Christianity is a, is a weird thing, and that's why that anime is so weird. But this is Ehrman <laughs> writing from a Western perspective with an understanding and a background to to fl- to understand that there are answers, there are books that have been written about this. These are important things that that Christians deal with, and uh, to say that I must either know everything from from the Bible without relying on the church or, or further investigation. Uh, you know, it's it's a solo scripture, not solo scripture, uh, is, is what we're what we're relying on here. Yeah. So we've looked at three test cases, right? He he gives us, uh, I think, one or two more, yeah. but uh, I think we've reached the end of our time here, and right. so we might want to pick these up uh, uh, next time, right? Uh, and uh, and pursue those. And and this is again a full chapter of all of detailed. Uh, you know, they try to get into some of the details. Uh, in terms of the claims that Erdman mm-hmm. makes here, right? And, and uh, you know, uh, pick up Erdman's book, pick up uh, the response books, uh, get a fuller understanding of uh, uh, way, way not just the the popular writings, but what both sides of scholarship have have done, and and you know, make the the best case for it. Um, you know, don't just take Ehrman's word for it. Don't just take our word for it. Don't just take uh, Kostenberger's word for it. Um, you know, do the due diligence that uh, uh, that uh, Paul commanded the Bereans to do, that they were constantly checking the scriptures, that they were investigating for themselves. Does this make sense? Uh, you know, uh, conferring amongst themselves and, and coming to a, a, a full and complete uh, recognition, uh, uh, understanding of, of the faith that they were then yeah. going to accept. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, hopefully this uh, helps in, in kind of breaking down the material more. Again, if you uh, disagree, uh, read the subject uh, yourself and, and uh, come up with your own podcast and uh, you know, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll give it a watch. Yeah. Uh, but uh, hopefully uh, you've enjoyed this and uh, thank you for continuing to uh, download our show and listen to us again. Uh, we're, we'd be doing this anyway. So uh, uh, we're just, uh, being held to a schedule now. <laughs> so thank you and uh, uh, continue like, share, subscribe, all those good things. And uh, um, uh, drop us a line on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Weemi, all, all those weird places, Parlor, uh, uh, the, the weird places on the internet that uh, are seem to fra- fracturing. We're trying to hold it all together. <laughs> so thank you. See you next time. <laughs>